Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Take your Bibles in your hands and let us read. Philippians chapter 1 verse 25. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 1 25. It says, and I read, it says, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Everybody, Philippians 1.25, read together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. Father, this morning our spirits, our souls, our mind, we are a lot receptive to your word, ready to grow, ready to flow. You're leading us by the still waters of your word. And every turbulence disappears. The things that give us concern right now, they are growing faintly dim as your word rises in our hearts. Thank you because the sick will be healed. The lost will be found. Conviction to be strengthened in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may please be seated. Praise the Lord. If you're here for the first time, I welcome you. And in due time, we're going to welcome you even specially. But we read a text right now, Philippians 1:25. It says, I'm being confident of this. I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your fatherance and joy of faith. I know this is a text that I've shared with you so many times, and I'm going to probably do it a billion times more. But the point is, this morning, I just want us to dwell on the word continue. It says, I will continue with you for the furtherance of your faith. Can I tell you something? True discipleship thrives on repetition. Can you say that with me? True, true discipleship? Thrives on repetition. Meaning, you cannot raise disciples without repeating some things over and again. Emphasis is very important for growth. So there are some things that we assume we already know. But you need, you need to hear it again and again. The reason why there's a lot of inconsistency in the body of Christ, where, you know, people know you to be a believer, but they see you act and treat people in a certain way that is a contradiction of your conviction, is because we know a lot of things in our head, but they've never really settled down in our hearts, settled enough to influence our character and our, and our choices. There are some things, the moment you hear this is what we are talking about, you assume you already know about it. You already know about it. There is this propensity to only only want to hear the things that you've never heard before. But that's not how to grow in the word. To grow in the word, there are many things that you already know, you've already heard, that you will hear again and again. Are you with me? This is so important. So this morning we're talking about contentment. Contentment. Can I tell you something? If you learn this one thing, you can say 
without any age of doubt that you have grown in your walk with the Lord. Because it's simple things like this that are a truer measure of growth. A lot of people see those maybe who walk miracles as the ones who are mature spiritually. And make no mistake, walking miracles is, not, is, is awesome. And we emphasize that, you know, in this church. Your charismatic ministry and all of that. However, the miracle of salvation, like, I, like I've told you, is evident in the miracle of changed desires. The Holy Spirit upon can influence you to walk miracles and do many great stuff. But when you see someone bearing fruit of redemption, fruit of salvation, that's powerful. How did Jesus preach the gospel to the Samaritan woman? He said, I will give you water that if you drink, you will never thirst again. So if you find someone who is content, not just in the amount of money he has, or not in the amount of money he has at all, or in the car he drives, but just in who he is in the Lord. Now, that's huge. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's maturity. That's progress and joy in the faith. There has never been a time in creation where contentment is more urgently needed. The culture is driving you to perform and to be who you are not. To try to amass the things you don't need to impress the people who don't really care about you and very likely will never care about you. But contentment is a teaching in the word of God. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. Paul says, But I greatly rejoiced in the Lord that now at last your care for me is flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now, not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned. Everybody say, I've learned. In whatever state I am to be content, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, everybody together want to go. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Well, the emphasis here for now is I have learned. In whatever situation I am in, to be content. That's so powerful. I've learned. By experience and by training in the, word, in the word of God. I've learned. So contentment is something to learn. And that's why we're teaching it. You can learn contentment. You see, it's not the natural propensity of man. It doesn't come naturally. Naturally, you will just allow your desires to drive you, you know, to places you don't want to go. To think thoughts you don't want to think. If you're ever going to be a person of contentment, you have to learn it. And you can. You see, one of the worst lies the devil can sell to anyone is that your satisfaction is in your future. This is so simple but so important. Let me take that again. One of the worst lies the devil can sell to you is the idea that your satisfaction is in your future. If only you could just get that car you'll be happy, you'll be okay. If only you could just get that phone, you'll be all right. 
If only you could just get married, then you'll be all right. Selling you the idea that your satisfaction is in your future. Right now, as many of you are seated, there are probably things on your mind that you really want to get. You really want to have. And listen, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being a person of drive and having goals. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it becomes inordinate. You know, you are losing your sleep about it. And you lose appreciation for every other good thing happening in your life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have experienced what I'm saying or if you're experiencing it now. But you understand what I'm saying. So when you begin to lose your sleep about it, now it's a problem. It's a problem. Praise the Lord. When it is the last thing on your mind before you sleep, the first thing on your mind when you wake up, and it's not God, or how to be a blessing to humanity, we're talking about things, then that's a problem. And we need to talk about it. Not the person by your side gently say, we need to talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There are three, or let me say two major problems with lack of contentment. The first is, things don't satisfy. <laughs> you know, when people talk like this, you say, ah, it's because he's making an excuse because he, don't, he, he has not really tasted money. Well, we're coming to that. But the reality is, things will never satisfy. And if the devil has lied to you that if you had something, then you'll be okay, you will never be okay. Listen to me and listen to me good. You will never be okay if you base your satisfaction on things. It's a wild goose chase. Have you ever seen a dog trying to catch its tail? And just when it thinks it's close and about to get it, it misses again and it goes on. Literally for minutes, 10, 20 minutes, trying to do something he will never be able to do. If you try to get satisfaction from things, you will never be satisfied. It's simple economics. You see, even experts have proven that when you get the things you really want to get, you become quickly habituated, you know, you become at home with those things and then the stakes rise. Right now, you know, some of you, your pay grade, there are things you wish you could do if you had more money. Okay, I'll be able to dress this way and do this and do that if they just increase my salary. But the thing is, when they increase your salary, you know what's going to happen? The type of food you eat will change. The type of clothes you wear will change. And you will discover that the same time of the month that you always get broke, you will still be getting broke. Do you get what I'm saying? So, if you base your satisfaction on things, you will be pursuing something all your life. It's a very frustrating way to live. Very frustrating. So the number one problem I've given you 
about lack of contentment is what? <laughs> Things will never satisfy you. Never. You will always be pursuing another level. Always. Never happy. Have you, have you seen people that you can never please? No matter what. Just never pleased. Just never impressed. It's a miserable way to live your life. Always in the future. People who are so in the future, they don't enjoy the present. When will you be happy? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, when will you be happy? Tomorrow. Always. It's a terrible way to live. Number two, like I said, apart from the fact that things don't satisfy, is you will never satisfy, you will never arrive. You just will never arrive. You just will never arrive. So you just, sooner or later, you will learn that you just have to learn contentment. Learn to be, you can have a drive for the future while appreciating the present. That's God's will for your life. Enjoy the process. Be patient. You may not be, you know, people say this often, you may not be where you want to be, but if you're making progress, that's something to be thankful for. You're not where you used to be. So like I said, contentment is a training in the word of God, and it's even just common sense. Let's talk about appetites generally. Uh, of course, when you're talking about contentment, you're talking about appetites. Keeping your appetite under control. Sooner or later in life, you will realize as a young person, I hope you don't have to get old to realize this, that you cannot date every handsome or beautiful person. It's a realization. You can't keep crushing on everybody. You can't marry everybody. Are you with me? You know, so you, you, you get to work and you see, maybe as a lady, you see this guy and he's so handsome. Ah, fine guy. If only I could date him. You know, and maybe you're trying to get his attention or vice versa. Maybe you're a guy and you see this fine girl trying to get her attention. And then as you're driving back home, you see another lady. You almost pack. Like I'm flowing in word of knowledge this morning. You almost pack, you know, give her attention. By the time you get home, you actually have a girlfriend. And then you come to church and there is another lady that you like. So it's common sense to realize you will keep meeting great people in life. I'm sounding too spiritual. You keep meeting fine people. In life. These things need to be said. So sooner or later, you will buy God's idea. What does God tell you? Find one. And be okay. Are you with me? If you don't do that, you will never be happy. It will drive you crazy. It will drive you crazy. The same thing applies to food. Listen, if you don't apply balance and contentment to your eating habit, 
you will not live a normal life. You will live a dysfunctional life. You cannot always run in the direction of your appetite. You have to keep it under control. Appetite for sex, appetite for food, appetite for money has to be under control. You need to know how far is too far. Please, are you with me? Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Verse 10. Or as someone called it, Ecclesiastes. They said J. Where did you see J inside? Alright. Chapter 5 verse 10. I want to read the good news Bible version. If they have it. I don't know if you have it. No, you don't. I'm just going to. Okay, let me read this first. It says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied. Everybody read that one to go. Shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Listen. (laughs) It's something to learn early. You love money, you will never be satisfied with money. You love silver, you will never be satisfied with silver. You love increase, you will never be satisfied with increase. Because there will always be more. Be more. Are you with me? It is wisdom to learn from other people's mistakes. Some, you know, no matter what anyone says about things like this, they don't want to listen. They don't want to listen. They want to do it themselves, make the mistakes, then eventually learn and say, ah, had I known. You know, <laughs> something happened to me years ago. I think this is the first time I'm saying this. I attended one conference and they said, get a financial mentor and everything. So I was gingering. So I entered the vehicle with a few people and I went to see this relative who I felt was very rich. And I sat in his sitting room and I said, I want you to teach me how you got to this level. You know, teach me. And I was expecting to hear something really profound. And then he sat down, he gave a big sigh and he said, you just graduated from the university. I see the little investments you're having. I was working at the time and everything. He said, be patient. You're doing okay. And I was like, oh God. I I said, did I come all this way to hear a sermon on patience? Did I come all this way? You know, what was happening was the man had pursued money so much that he he was about to lose things that were more valuable to him. And so when he saw, you know, someone else who stood where he stood maybe 20 years ago, he's telling him, first of all, he knew I wasn't lazy. So I didn't really need a sermon on hard work and all of that. So if I was in a city room, he just felt I just needed to calm down. Praise the Lord. And he said, you'll be all right. Be patient. Keep doing what you're doing. He was like, 
<laughs> I've heard it now, I know. All these people, when they, when they make money, they don't want other people to make it. They will start blocking the secrets. You know, I, I was thinking all sorts of things as I was going. I knew it. He never really liked me anyway. You know. Praise the Lord. But the man at that point in his life, money did not matter. He was about to lose his family. He was about to lose. So he was just telling me, you know what? Be patient. But some of us, you know, you know this thing, you've heard it before. <laughs> but we still wouldn't listen. But the Bible tells you, anybody who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. And then we have the propensity to think that people who talk like this are broke. But when you remember who was talking, this is King Solomon. If Solomon tells you you will not be satisfied with silver, believe it. Believe it. The Bible tells us that silver and gold became common in his, in his tenure. It became common. He had a lot of it. And this thing, this insatiable desire that we have for stuff has made the other people rich. They exploit it. They exploit it. So, a phone company, I won't mention any name, will release one phone this year. Next year, they will change the earpiece and say point O. They will call it, you know, and they will still buy. Then the next year, they will change the charger. Because they know you. They know you very well. You know, I saw someone with, you know, a new phone. So he was like, I said, what's the difference? He was like, ah, it's very different. You know? Praise the Lord. And this stuff, let's, let's, not, let's not lie, they are helpful. Someone put it this way. Gold is a very good platform to stand on. But a very de- devastating thing to tie around your neck. You will drown. You will drown. Again, it says... He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. If you learn this thing, it will save your life. If you come to a point in your life where you know that money will not satisfy you, if you bring billionaires up on this platform and they will be honest with you, they will tell you that if you were unhappy and disgruntled and you had a lot of money, you won't be any different. You will just be an unhappy man with a lot of money. It won't make you happy. You'll just be an unhappy rich man. If you're angry, you think money will solve the problem and you receive a lot of money, you will just be an angry man with a lot of money. Silver will never satisfy. He that loveth abundance (laughs) will not be satisfied with increase. What I'm saying It's a teaching in the word of God. It's a teaching in economics. (laughs) And it's just common sense. Praise the Lord. 
How about you just learn it? So again, I was saying, the person who talked about this, he has proven, he took it as an experiment to test if things could satisfy. He had all the money in the world to prove. So he started spending, started buying things. Have you ever imagined what it would be like if provision could come at the speed of your thoughts and at and, and the speed of your desire? Oh, I want white sneakers. Psh. Rolex. Psh. You know, and all of that. Oh, how happy would you be, you imagine, right? Someone has tested these things before. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 from verse 1, he said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth. He said he wants to test his heart. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. He says, but surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what did it, did it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine, guiding my heart with wisdom, and, and how to lay hold on folly till I see what is good. Verse 4, he says, I made my works great. I built myself houses, planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which water was growing, trees of groove. I acquired male and female servants. There was a servant for everything. Massage, you know, you had your own personal missus. You had someone to watch the garden, to tidy the bed, you know, to bathe you. Servants, male and female. Had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered to myself silver and gold, special treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. So in the morning, when you just wake up, people are singing, you know, playing the instruments for you. What a life, right? <laughs> Male and female singers, the delight of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. Just imagine Davido, you know, was staying in your house. His job is simple. When I wake up, just start singing. For you. Solomon said he did all that. He said, so I became great and excelled more than all that were there before me in Jerusalem. Have you read verse 9? He said, I became great and excelled. More than all that were there before me in Jerusalem. He says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from pleasure. You know, he started marrying wives. He married, he, you know, when I see him in heaven, I want to ask him one simple question. Did you know all their names? Did you, I, I just want to know. Did you know, how are you? Three hundred wives, seven hundred concubines. Picture that. Picture that. Many of you are, have been in this church more than a year. You don't know up to 50 people. It's not, it's, not, it's not easy. It's not easy. 
In fact, it was even worse for me in Abuja Church because you know the church grew so fast. From zero to 400 members in 18 months. How do I? So, how are you, brother? You know, <laughs> that's where, you know, church nomenclature becomes important. Brethren, you know, it's, it's general terms like that. Brethren. Oh, sister, how are you today? God bless you. They said, my name is, it doesn't matter. Sister is deeper. <laughs> sister is deeper. It means, you know, koinonia, like. Did you know all their names? To put it in perspective, if he wanted to be with each of them per night, it would take him two years to go around once. Maybe you've not thought about it. What am I saying two years? More than two years. Two and a half to go around. Almost three years, right? (laughs) Just think about it. That Okay, I want to get to know the women in my life. It will take you three years. <laughs> what was his conclusion after all of this? Verse 11. Then I looked on all the works of my hands. All the works my hands had done. And on the labor that I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity. The grasping for the wind. The grasping for the wind. So much energy for nothing. That's what he means. So much energy. Have you ever bought something you really wanted to buy? And when you bought it, you were just like, you, you were unimpressed. Like, what have I done? It's not even, do you understand? But the, the funny thing is, when you want something else, that same ginger will be there. And then you buy it. And what I just said is the description of many people's life. Pursuing something, getting it, being unimpressed, um, you know, underwhelmed. Is this it? All of that energy for this. Your, your, your spirit is provoked and everybody's congratulating you. Ah! You know, they, they see you with that stuff and they're hailing you. And in your heart, you just... Solomon called it a grasp for the wind. You held it and discovered it was nothing. Praise the Lord. There has to be another formula for happiness, for fulfillment in life. There has to be something else. Something other than money. Something other than all the things that people sing about. So, even if you had a thousand, I'm I'm not just talking about one thousand random women. Go and read how Solomon was married. From Egypt, from the the most beautiful I think the Israelites low-key would have hated him. He took all the fine girls. Oh. 1,000. What were they doing with their time daily? 
knowing that it might take you three years before Solomon will call you the next time. What were they doing? You have to imagine the level of opulence I'm talking about. Just... Hallelujah. And he said it's grasping for the wind. How about you just learn this? Believe him, he's seen it all. <laughs> Money won't satisfy. The company of the opposite sex won't satisfy. Things won't satisfy. There's got to be more to life. Praise the Lord. And when you keep pursuing these things, you will discover that you become perpetually overwhelmed. Have you seen people who are always tired? Always tired? Someone put it this way. He said, an average person jeopardizes his health to get money. The first part of his life, the first half of his life, he uses, he jeopardizes his health to get money. And then the last part of his life, he uses all the money he acquired to get health. Do you know that the culture in Lagos is, is very wrong? It's, it's very ungodly. It is. It is. Do you know what you're doing to your health to wake up 4 a.m. every day to get on to traffic to return 12 midnight daily? Many pe- I don't want to ask you to raise your hand if that's what you're going through. And you do that consistently. Consistently. It's not right. Something has to be done. You have to think about it. I know the, the economy is harsh. Maybe it's not luxurious to try and get a house close to where you work. It's not. And I know not everybody can afford that now. But it's something to plan for. You have children that other people raise. I'm I'm talking, this is what happens, isn't it? How many people here are really close to their parents? They don't know you. They don't. And it's worse in our generation. It's worse. So now you're, all, you're always tired because you never arrive. You never. No matter what you acquire, there's something else always pursuing something. So you always be overwhelmed. And then the next thing I want to talk about is this. First, you're always overwhelmed. I think I know it by heart, but I just don't, don't want to miss my train of thoughts. The next thing is this. You will experience more loss. Because this is how it works. Because you never take time to appreciate the things that you have, they will disappear. People who lack contentment, they use people. And so they lose viable and very potentially great relationships. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a normal rule of life. Anything you don't appreciate will depreciate. And when you lack contentment, 
you know, your satisfaction, remember, is in your future. A lot of people are around you. Good people who want to be there for you. But people who lack contentment, if you cannot give them what they want, you have have no use to them. Have you seen people like that? They flock around you when you have something. The moment is gone. You don't see them again. What I'm saying has become so normal that people don't even think it's a big deal. Every relationship has to be transactional. When someone is getting close, you don't even know who likes you anymore. Everybody wants something. It's bad. And listen, you're going to experience loss. 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 In pursuing some things, you may lose everything. In pursuing some things, there are some things that if you pursue, you will lose everything. I can give many examples, but let's just go on because of time. And number three, I'm going to dwell on this for a bit. When you lack contentment, you become jealous and competitive. (laughs) If you are so determined to get some things, and you can't get it now, and other people have it. Listen, the people, when we say haters, they didn't didn't read a book on how to be a hater. They didn't take it as a job description. There were some things that just made them arrive there. You want it. You want to be the first to have it. Then someone else gets it. And you who used to be nice, you see someone else with stuff and you become resentful. Even in the church, it happens. Praise the Lord. This thing has to be dealt with. It's dangerous. You see, something happened in school. When iPad first came out, you know, there was, I mean, people went crazy about it and all of that. And I wasn't really finicky about the device, to be, to be very frank. But I saw how much of a blessing it would be, you know, to my study life, to be able to have Bible, different Bible translations, notes, and that's what I basically use it for. It's a Bible and a notepad. You know, a lot of people say, some people say you shouldn't preach with iPad. They want old-time religion. You know, they forget that even paper is science, is innovation. They didn't use they didn't use this paper. They didn't use Bible in those days. They used scrolls. So if you want to do it well, you know, you just. And what, this whole scroll like this is one chapter. So if you want to preach a sermon, you will pack plenty there. They say, hold on. Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. You know, when you. <laughs> to now find, you'll be avoiding some books. The book like Luke. Luke that. Has some, some, some chapters have 90 verses. Look to the talk. He's a talkative. You'll be angry with him. Praise the Lord. But, but I saw use for it. And by the grace of God, I got it. And something very funny happened. I was in church um, in the university chapel, minding my business. And then these cameramen, they said, open your Bibles to so, so-and-so place. And they just zoomed in on me. And they showed it in the projector. And someone spoke out and said, Emmanuel to get iPad. 
That's what he said. He couldn't help it. Say he too gets Johnson like ah, you know he, he couldn't imagine that this thing I've been trying to get you. And so someone was telling me after the service, and when he told me the person, I was like, ah, he's not like that. He's a nice person. Something has happened to him. Because when you are so bent on getting something, you become unkind to people who have it. This is how jealousy just seeps in. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. How many of you agree these things have to be said? (laughs) James chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, where do wars and fights in modern day parlance, where, do, what, where does beef come from? This is the science of beef. <laughs> where does it come from, from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lost and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. So you want something, you can't get it. So now you are ready to kill. All those funny stories you hear, this is how they start. You, it first starts with desire. You want it so much. You try everything, you don't get it. Now, you are ready to do anything. Someone else has it. You know, I, I remember, I think I was in primary two. When someone stole my wristwatch, I had this wristwatch. I think it was Power Rangers. So it had, first of all, the clock isn't showing. So you now press a button and then the clock comes out. Do you remember that wristwatch? Some of you that they born 1990 something years. All right. <laughs> but anyway, you, let's say you know. So I press. And then the funny thing is, I loved the wristwatch and I was. I gave it to him and all of that. And somewhere along the line, he said, where is your wristwatch? Your wristwatch is missing. He's the one who told me. And then we started looking for it. He joined me to be looking for it out of my... I was like, ah, this is a good friend. This, this, was, this was my best friend. So I had to tell my teacher... You, when I wanted to tell, he was like, don't tell, don't. And I was like, ah, what's the problem? We can't find it. Let them search for us. <laughs> so I, and she just said, what's that in your pocket? And the guy was like, bring it out, bring it out. And brought it out. I was so shocked. I think it was my first lesson in life. I, I, do you understand? I was like, oh my God, what, what just happened? Why? I could let you use it. As long as you want. In fact, he was the one using it almost throughout that day. Why? Because many people think that they have to own it to appreciate it. And it's not true. It's not true. Until you come to a point where you can see other people have things and be happy for them. You have not grown. You have not grown. You have not grown. Praise the Lord. Let me just tell you now. 
We are not the only church that God is raising in this generation. Are you listening to me? You see, you are going to mark my words. You're going to see the hand of God strong on other people's lives. In fact, it's happening already. You have to have this mindset. When you see people on social media or in real life anywhere, bless them, be happy for them. Avoid the trap of jealousy and competition. Avoid it. I have that tendency, the moment I see maybe there's a potential or temptation to compete, I will just, I will award you. In fact, I will start affirming you. You are, you are so good, you are better, you are, do you understand? And that's, that's a very simple way to demonstrate trust in the Lord. Stop playing all these games. Hallelujah. It's a very depressing way to live. You can't really focus on what God is saying. Now you want to copy people. And you have strayed from God's plan for your life. Please, are you with me this morning? This is so important. He's telling you where the wars and the strife comes from. You want and you don't have and so now you're ready to kill. You're ready to do anything. Anybody who lacks contentment will be a bad friend. Friends that cannot be happy for you. Hallelujah. I, I think God has blessed me. You know, the, the people around my life are very secure. You know, when, when I show them, something happened. I, I got a car and I showed the close people around me. In fact, one of them almost cried. You know, he was just like, <sighs> in fact, he made me question whether I really thank God for that car well. The way he thanked God for me. He said, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's the way to be. Praise the Lord. Learn to thank God for others. And practice it. It's a practice. You practice. Two simple things. I didn't even plan to say this. Anybody you feel the temptation, you know, to compete with or to be jealous of, start praying for them. And then verbally affirm them. Verbally affirm them. You know, it might be mechanical at first, but come on, you have the Holy Ghost. After a while, it will flow. Hallelujah. Be generous with compliments. Be generous. Don't try to commonize it. If it's good, say so. Don't try to explain away why people are doing good. Have you seen people? What did you not ask them? The moment they say, oh, this person is doing so well. Eh? It's because nobody asked you. Eh, it's because her father is rich. Nobody asked you. Don't explain it away. Be thankful for people. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, one of the greatest characters in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, is John the Baptist. Let me tell you something. That guy had one of the hardest jobs in the entire Bible. Are you with me? Just picture it. He came on the scene first. 
he rose to fame very fast. Everybody was coming to him. The soldiers came to him. The publicans came to him. The Pharisees, they, they, everybody wanted to know, who are you? Are you the Christ? They were already asking. And he had the responsibility to respond, no, I am not the Christ. I am the voice of him crying in the wilderness, prepare the way. I'm here to prepare the way for someone else. It's like the Pharisees were trying to put words in his mouth. Like, if he, if he just said yes, or even kept it mysterious, don't respond, they will honor him more. To say, I am not, do you know that's contentment? To be able to say, okay, a lot of people like to exaggerate how much you have, who you are, what you're capable of, to be able to say, this is where I am. You know, there's a, there's a man of God who loves me very much, you know, so I, I went with him somewhere and then we saw um, Reverend Sam Adeyemi and then he, just happy for us, said, ah, in Abuja, in the first six months, the church reached 300 members. Now, he was not lying, he just missed the numbers. So I felt so uncomfortable. So when we got away from that place. I told him, I said, sir, you made a big mistake. It's not 300. Oh. This is our number right now. He said, oh, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people want to call you who you are not and you just let it slide. Don't do that. Are you with me? Hey, especially when you are seeing the grace of God on your life already. John, you're special. And an angel appeared to your mom said great stuff to your dad. Your mom had encounters herself. You were spinning in the womb and your mom was filled with the spirit. Great stuff. You are great already. Don't pretend to be who you are not. He said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now, it's easy to say that at the beginning of the ministry. But when the ministry is picking off, everybody is coming at you. You know, coming to you for advice, coming to you to, bab to be baptized. Ah. This Jesus everybody is shouting about now. Are you not the one who baptized him? Are you not the one who baptized him? You are the one who ordained him into ministry. Set the stage for you. Was it not in your meeting that the heavens opened? And that the dove um, the spirit descended like, uh, he was filled with the Holy Ghost in your meeting was it not in your meeting was it not under your ministration <laughs> I'm telling you no, no, I mean think about that John chapter 3 you know John 3 16 is so powerful but this Part of John chapter 3 is also so important. Verse 26. You know, we got to a point that when they saw Jesus' disciples baptizing people, they came to report to John. <laughs> Are you listening to this? They came to report that, that that guy that you just baptized how many days ago? Is, is people are baptizing too. You know, it's usually the people who are following you that cause the most havoc. I mean that in the most honest way. When David killed Goliath, Saul was okay. He had no problem. It is the people 
they started singing. <laughs> Saul has killed his thousands. David, 10,000. This is Saul that has been going to battle for you for years. David, only one kill. You said 10,000. Saul, his head was spinning. <laughs> Be very careful. Are you listening to me? Because when people start to praise you, call you who you are not, you must have the sense to react. You know, no. That's not right. There are some, there are some ways people will greet you. You have to have the sense. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Verse 26, John chapter 3. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. <laughs> they came to report. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing. Hey. Please, are you in church today? A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. There's a reason this guy is getting popular. A man can receive nothing. I know what I've received. I know the measure of grace on my life. A man can receive nothing except it's given to him from above. I won't try to be who I'm not. He says, you yourself bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ. But I have been sent before him. Verse 29, everybody read together, want to go. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Listen, he says, therefore my joy is fulfilled. What a way to talk. He said, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I'm rejoicing greatly, meaning I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I might, I might not be the one running the show, but I'm happy. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I'm rejoicing greatly. Have you rejoiced greatly for anyone besides yourself? Have you ever seen something good? about someone on social media and you knelt down and you said, thank you, God, for blessing this fellow. Thank you, God. Especially people doing what you're doing. You say, ah! Have you called anybody to say, I'm so happy for you. What? That's incredible. Praise the Lord. It's very important. He said, therefore, my joy is fulfilled. He's saying this about something happening to someone else. Not to him. Because someone else is doing well, he said his joy is fulfilled. And then what else did he say? Look at the next verse, verse 30. Everybody read together one to go. Read it again one to go. This is one of the most difficult statements anyone ever made in the Bible. It's one thing to say he, he must increase, let him go ahead and increase. But to say I must decrease, meaning my ministry has ended. My job was to introduce him and mine was to stop where his own picks off. You know, that's a different thing. He must increase. 
That was the cross. Ah, respect John. Respect him. That you can see the grace of God on your friend's life. Is your padio, but you know the hand of God is on his life. And you respect it. Hallelujah. Look at Joseph and his brothers. You know, I've said it before. I can prove and argue that God loved the brothers of Joseph more than Joseph. If, we, if, if God loves more, do you understand? Comparatively. It's a carnal argument. But speaking as a man, you can argue. Think about it. There was a time of plenty, no farming. They were all in Jacob's house, enjoying themselves. A time of farming was coming. And God wanted to secure that family. Sent Joseph. Joseph went through a lot. Sold into slavery, was a houseboy, ended up in prison. His brothers were just there in the house. By the time farming hits, they went to the only place that there was food to discover that the prime minister was their brother. You are not listening to me. Think about what I just said. They didn't have to suffer anything. By the time there was no food, the only place they had food, the food was controlled by their brother. But guess what? When Joseph said, I saw a vision and I saw all of you burning to me, they were angry. <laughs> and they wanted to kill him. They would have killed him not knowing that they had killed themselves. Are you with me? If they had killed Joseph, they would have died of hunger. Think about this. Let this be a major lesson to you. Maybe God is promoting someone else for your own good. You just don't know it. Think about John the Baptist. You know, imagine John the Baptist was very jealous of Jesus and connived against him, stopped him one way or the other. All that Jesus was doing was going to benefit him also. I don't care where I spend eternity. Don't forget, don't provide salvation. All I care is you must not be more popular than I am in this world. People who lack contentment are so short-sighted. They don't trust in the providence of God. God has gone ahead of you. He's orchestrating things for your favor. But many people don't even have the patience to take it. So in killing Joseph, they killed their future. They killed their future. And, they, and, and now they feel vindicated. Yes, he was talking too much. You, you've done yourself mighty harm. Mighty harm. Praise the Lord. Here is my advice to you. The next time you see the hand of God on someone, be thankful for it. Because can I tell you something? You may never know how, but it will always benefit you. No one else has to fail for you to succeed. Let me take that again. No one has to fail for you to succeed. Let go of that idea. I'm telling you again, you may not know how. But the blessing of God on someone's life will always benefit you. Learn to be secure. 
Learn to be secure. If you are leading people, allow them shine. Allow them grow. If you are following someone, be content. Don't try to usurp all the time. Try and, you know, just to be seen. That's not how to walk with God. Are you listening to me? Ah, you need to know who God is. Grace is a powerful thing. Hallelujah. If you struggle against someone that God is blessing, you will drown. You are Pharaoh. Moses stretched his hand at the Red Sea. It parted. They are going. And then you want to enter someone else's miracle to fight them there. Be wise. Ah, if you see the fingerprints of God, even if you are carnal and you don't know, you don't want to be happy for the person, just allow the person. Just allow. Praise the Lord. <laughs> because if God is involved, hey, hey. fear God, though. Fear God. He can pick anybody from anywhere. If you put him, if you put someone, in, you know, in that place, there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Every of your effort will only amplify the person's success. Learn to be happy for others. Be secure in God's plan for your life. Praise the Lord. So the brothers of Joseph, when they were hungry, they went to Egypt. Their brother was prime minister. Their brother relocated every one of them to Egypt. Gave them lands. Gave, gave them food. Did Jesus come from Joseph's lineage? I was just arguing. He didn't come from Joseph's lineage. Which one of the brothers... Did, did Jesus come from? Judah. Judah. So even spiritually, if you talk about preferential, preferential treatment in terms of what Romans 9 says, that the calling of God according to election might stand. You know, it wasn't Joseph. So the guy was basically promoted to serve. Hallelujah. And to preserve the person with the actual seed of the promise. So, now, if you were short-sighted, imagine you were Judah. You were the one campaigning, kill him. Kill him. Meanwhile, you are the one who has the biggest plan of God for your life. The biggest. The biggest. The biggest. History will remember you more. Come on. But, you know, many times we are so short-sighted. You know, we are thrilled by the things other people are thrilled by. I want it now. I'm telling you, in a thousand, two thousand, four thousand, five thousand years from now, it is Judah everybody will talk about. No, I want to be the prime minister. God is providential. Can you trust him? He has a plan for your life. If you knew the plan he has for you, you'll be okay. So trust him. 
And when you see him blessing others, know that it, it does not cost his own plan for your own life to fail. Are you with me? That's so important. Glory to God. Tell the person by your side, say, I believe in you. I support you. I'm praying for you. It's very important. Just be, be, be happy for people. Be happy for people. A lot of people, they don't even know it. See, I have to warn you about this. Okay, for instance, you know, I said contentment takes training. If you don't train yourself, you will always compare without knowing. You always compare. You know, so, (laughs) I, I want to say this because I want to teach you. So, Pastor Maiwa went to Abuja. He preached, you know, the first Sunday. And someone wanted to appreciate, you know, the sermon and commented, ah, the sermon was so powerful. I was so blessed. I did not miss Pastor Irene. I'm like, ah, first of all, I don't miss you. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I miss the church. I don't miss you. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I'm also like, this is not necessary. I thank God I'm a secure person. But this, now here trouble is start to. This is necessary. Praise the Lord. So, now you want me to be petty and start commenting. Actually, that sermon is my sermon notes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then the, the young man is gifted. He's engraced by God. Appreciate him. Do you understand? You don't have to make the comparison. Okay, what was Saul's business? David killed Goliath. Praise him and go home. Abi, <laughs> Praise the Lord. But people do that a lot. People do that a lot. In the office, in relationships. Have you seen people? You know, they are, they are okay in their relationship. Then you go out and then you go out with your friend, you know, another couple. And then the guy comes down, opens the door for Hey! And then you are now squeezing your face. They say, what happened? Nothing. <laughs> it happens. As a parent, you go out. You always thought your children are smart. And they are. Then you now go somewhere. And maybe the child is doing some cool stuff. You now look at your own son. Then anything the poor boy does will be annoying you. He came back from school. He's tired. He wants to play. You know, your mates are ready. <laughs> Is that not what? Is that not what? It's not that deep. Praise the name of Jesus. See, you have to be very careful when you're raising children. Don't give your children a vibe. Even if you don't say it, don't give your children a vibe that one is better than the other. Praise the Lord. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, when we were growing up, all of us siblings, we knew in our mind, though, who our dad thought would succeed. 
It's an African parenting thing. Many times. We knew. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't do that. Praise the name of the Lord. Comparison is very dangerous. Anyways, I'm bringing this to a close now. Have you learned anything? All right, Philippians chapter 4 verse 12. Not only did he say, I have learned to abase. He said, I have learned to abound. You know, a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of Christians, you know, (laughs) they know how to handle poverty better. I'm saying the truth. Because now they feel closer to God. I'm sacrificing a lot. But when money comes, many don't know how to handle it. Hallelujah. Let me say this. Contentment. When a lot of people think about contentment, they only think about it with reference to not having as much. Oh, I I wish I could do this. I can't do that. I'm satisfied. No. Contentment is learning how to abound and to abase. It goes both ways. Not just learning how to abase yourself, but learning how to abound. That when you don't have as much, your character is consistent. When you have so much, your character is still consistent. Listen, if any situation changes your character, you are not content. That's what I'm saying. Now you have some money. Nobody can talk to you. You don't want to greet anybody. You don't want to say hello to anybody. That's not contentment. Lack of contentment will always set the stage for pride. Because, listen, when it all comes down to it, contentment is not actualized in the fulfillment of your needs, but in the realization of who you are. Not in the fulfillment of the things you want, but in the appreciation of the things you already have and in the appreciation of the person that you already are. Are you with me? That's what it is. It's a state of the heart, not an acquisition or a response to acquisition of any kind. It's a state of the heart. Learn to abound and to abase. That you have a lot of money, but Listen, when it comes to your passion for the Lord, nothing stops you. You are still expressive. Hallelujah. You can lie on the floor and express your appreciation for God. You were doing that before. You were doing that before. But now, you're wearing fancy shoes and fancy clothing. You know, I was in a meeting. And the man, I don't know. And these people always see the need to say these things. He said, no matter how powerful they worship, he cannot kneel down when he's wearing suits. So I'm telling you. So I looked at him, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, first of all, the suit ain't really that good. You can as well roll on the floor. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. The funny thing is, now people we know really get, they talk like this. Said, the suit's not fine now. Roll on the floor. Hallelujah. Was that statement necessary? Hallelujah. You have to be careful in this generation. We are excessively expressive. We say things that people didn't ask us. And if you're not careful, you enter trouble. You put yourself in trouble with the Lord. 
A man of the spirit knows his words are powerful. You don't say things like that. How is it? Hallelujah. That no matter the level you get to, you are Zacchaeus, but you hear Jesus is coming. Picture this. This is a very wealthy man. Jesus is coming. There is a crowd. He wants to get his attention. He climbs a tree. Are you with me? Just imagine a famous rich man on a tree. You saw him on the tree. Waiting for Jesus to come. And the moment Jesus got there, he spoke out. And said all the things he wanted to say. Half of my goods. You know, some of you, you want to send a DM, you say hi. And end it there. You expect me to now come and say hello. I was your day. I don't have that time. Do you understand? Say what you, straight to the point. I hope you understand what I just said. Though. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Hallelujah. Half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've extorted anybody, anyone I return fourfold. Jesus said, salvation has come to your house. Humble yourself. Carry your skirt. Climb the tree. Show passion for the Lord. Cornelius was a mighty man in the army. Very wealthy, very influential. When Peter, a fisherman, came into his house, he laid prostrate. He's a fisherman, but he's a man of God. He laid prostrate. Peter had to say, no, stand up. That's not necessary. Stand up. Stand up. Glory to God. That no matter how much money you have, you will recognize the things that are of more value than money. Jesus said, what shall he profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And that leads me to a statement that Paul made. Turn your Bibles again, Philippians chapter 4. This is the basis of everything that we've been saying. Verse 13. Very popular text, yet one of the most misconstrued, misinterpreted Text in the entire Bible. He says, I can do what? All things through Christ that strengthens me. You know, the funny thing is, this text has been used to fill our anxiety and our lack of contentment. There are some things that you want so desperately now that you have no business wanting. But you justify it religiously. I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. You've, you've, you've quoted the scripture out of context. You and Satan interpret the Bible the same way. I can prove it to you. When Satan came to Jesus, he was quoting scriptures out of context. He said he shall give his angels charge over you. So jump from the pinnacle of the temple. It's Satan that interprets the Bible that way. It's true. Praise the Lord. It's true. What I said, is it not true? Thank you. Let's move on. <laughs> so when you just say, I can do all things, you didn't read the verses before. What did he say before? He said, I can suffer hunger and I can enjoy plenty. That's what he said. That's the all things. By all things, it means I can abound and abase. Hallelujah. 
So if you are quoting that scripture to excuse the discipline of going through trying times and still being consistent in your devotion and in your sense of purpose, in that phase, you are not doing the right thing. You are not interpreting it correctly. Because all things means I can abound and abase. So how is it that my character remains consistent when I have plenty and when I'm suffering lack? He says, true Christ that strengthens me. Later on in that verse, in that, in that chapter, verse 19, he says, my God shall supply all your work according to the, to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. What a perspective. This was the secret of his contentment. That my needs are supplied but they are flowing from something more powerful. The riches and glory in Christ Jesus. For, for God's sake, the riches and glory in Christ Jesus is not pound sterling and dollar. Are you with me? Does God provide, does God bless emphatically? But are the riches and glory in Christ Jesus currency? No. He's talking about salvation. Hallelujah. So we're saying my perspective to, to needs and the supply of needs will stem from the consciousness of who I am in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know who I am in Christ. I know what he's done for me. And that's why Paul could sacrifice the way he has sacrificed. He said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. He could be in prison. He didn't mind. And he still felt rich and blessed and content even in prison. Because his sense of, of self-worth was no longer from things, what he possesses, and all these superficial things. He says, according to his riches and glory in Christ. Are you aware that in the New Testament, riches, especially in the epistles, never refer to material riches? Sorry, the word blessed, I mean. And then many times, the word rich, I wish I had enough time to show you instances. You know, many of them are misconstrued. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that he was rich, but for your sake he became poor. That you through his poverty can be rich. You know, a lot of people think that has to do with money also. It always has to do with money in this generation. Hallelujah. But in what way was Jesus rich and became poor? That in his poverty, we might be rich. In what way? He's talking about in his taking on the form of a servant. Emptying himself of deity. Dying for us. Hallelujah. Now we have a rich inheritance. Paul used that metaphor many times. Rich. The riches of this glory of his inheritance in the saints. Are you with me? I'm rich in what really counts. Say that. So the grace of God in Christ has given me such a security, such an assurance that my character has become consistent. Oh yes, God blesses financially. I would be a liar to say otherwise. Hallelujah. But even then, my sense of worth, my assurance, my confidence is not based on things. Until you get what I'm saying. 
You will have this fluctuating relationship with people, with money, with things. Some people, just by greeting them, you will know when they have money or when they don't have money. Their confidence level drops and rises depending on their pockets. Hallelujah. When you greet people and they do like this, you know. But when you don't have, you don't have money, your handshake, even your handshake is weak. Hallelujah. Don't be like that. Glory to God. Base your confidence on Christ and on Christ alone. You know, Jeremiah said this. He said about the children of Israel, he said they've committed two great evils. I'm going to end on this note. He said they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And they've hewn for themselves broken cisterns that hold no water. So not basing your satisfaction on God is not just a bad idea. It's a sin. It's a great evil. Are you with me? To find yourself in a place where you are content because you have money or because things are going well. Your source of contentment must always be based on Christ. He calls himself a fountain of living water. That if you have him, you will not be moved. You will not be overwhelmed. Jesus told that woman, he said, the water that I shall give you, if you drink of it, you will never thirst. That's contentment. Not based on money, but based on Christ. He says it shall be a well springing up to everlasting life from within you. If you drink the water that I shall give you, you will never thirst. Have you drunk of that water? So then you're satisfied. You may not have all the money you want yet, but you're satisfied. There are things you hope would have gotten better by now, but you're satisfied. Because your satisfaction is not based on things, but on the Lord. I want to challenge you today. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Base your satisfaction on him. Hallelujah. If your satisfaction will be steadfast, your focus must be on something steadfast. Money is not steadfast. The Bible says it can take on wings and fly. But the Bible calls Jesus a rock. A rock that cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Even your friends may let you down, but Jesus is a rock. The economy may be unstable, but Jesus is a rock. Are you with me? You might get old and weary, but Jesus is a rock. Do you understand what I'm saying? A rock that cannot be moved. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall not be ashamed. Hallelujah. This is the source of Paul's confidence. He wasn't talking like this because he had not gone, gone through stuff in this world. He had gone through a lot. I dare say more than you're going through right now. But because his trust was on the Lord, he said, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. And that's the paradox of life. There are a lot of people who go through less than what Paul went through and they're defeated. And there are some people who go through more and are still smiling and still confident. You know, someone said to me yesterday, he said, I was so surprised. You know, the things you said on your birthday, you were going through a lot and no one knew about it. He said, I was so surprised. He said, my respect for you increased. Well, that's the life he has called us to. In all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ. I'm not the kind of person, the slightest trouble in my career, I'm saying, God, are you there? Do you love me? Mm -mm. 
nothing shall be able. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not angel, not demons, not things present, not things to come, not peril, not nakedness, not sword. Nothing shall be able to separate me in all these things. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. You truly become more than a conqueror when your happiness is not based on things. You can't be more than a conqueror if your happiness is still based on the opinion of men. Hallelujah. Trust in him is the rock. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.